Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Really love the effort from LSU men's basketball team tonight. They lose by 20 to the number six team in the country. Um, was down at one point, uh, 26. Uh, came back, got it within nine, got it within single digits. Uh, and there at the end, Komet just, uh, I mean, shows again why he is probably the best player in the SEC. Uh, and he closes the show on you. Uh, I mean, you're out. You're without Jalen Cook. Uh, Jalen Wright had a really off night. Three of 16 from the field. One from seven from behind the arc. He only had nine points. Um, just look, in an off night, you played hard. You ha- you gave it everything you could. It's just not enough because you're not as talented as Tennessee is. But... One thing I will say, I mean, I think that you're obviously getting better throughout the season. I think that that's pretty undeniable for Matt McMahon and his club. I, I, you're, I mean, Matt McMahon in the two years he's technically been here. I mean, guys, you you are seeing growth. You are seeing the process. The question becomes, how much more can can Matt build on this? How much more can this team build on this? Look, I, I just—they're not going to get to the tournament. I, I, I unless something crazy happens, they're just not going to get to the tournament. Well, that's unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. Guys, could y'all hear me? In the in the back. Y'all could? Okay, I figured you could. All right. That sucks. I I, I started the show, and, and I, I, I don't... Let's just start over. <sighs> Hi, I'm Blake. How about that? Um, really not mad 
at um, the game tonight for Matt McMahon and this LSU club. Look, man, was down twenty six. It, it's kind of awful because I, you know, I'm, I was, I was, I was, it was so good, so good. Yeah, I gave that Forrest Gump uh, a Vietnam speech. So awful, man. That was that was definitely a a a a horrible moment. You would think within you know close to 900 shows we would have figured this out by now but bad podcasting bad podcasting by me very bad podcasting let's start over lsu falls tonight 88 68 to tennessee the number six team in the country got to admit man i'm not really mad at the performance um Jaden uh jordan wright was off he went three of 16 one from seven from three He only had nine points. He was off tonight. Um, A lot of guys were. So was Jalen Reed. It's tough because you don't have Jalen Cook to help you in coming off the bench. uh, Moani Wilkinson does give you big threes. You cut it within single digits. You cut it to nine. But then you have probably and arguably the best um, player in the SEC in Komet, and he goes off and closes the show. Yeah, you lose by 20, but there, LSU late closed the gap and got it within nine points. Um, I, I just really like what Matt McMahon has done in two years, considering where this team was. It's not the popular take to have right now, and I, I know that. I know it. sometimes it's really tough and, and hard, pause, but it's really tough to watch this team sometimes. They have a really good performance. They they play a really good team, and they get smacked. Um, don't think this is a tournament team, but look, I love watching them play, and they're getting better under Matt McMahon. I think the biggest thing in all of this, and the thing that I take away from last night, or tonight, excuse me, rather, uh, against Tennessee, is mainly due to the fact that under Matt McMahon, I see the process I see the progress. You're getting better. I understand that, you know, he gets rivaled to Will Wade a lot, and I don't think that that's fair for him um, because I I just don't. But I can see where they're going. I can see what he's doing. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's got to get better personnel in here. He's got to recruit better. And it's tough to recruit here sometimes, specifically when you had the situations that you did. But you have some young, talented pieces. And you got to build off of that, man. You're going to have to go in the portal. Matt's going to have to find some money and go out there and spend it in the portal and get some guys in here. So, I'm not mad. I mean, look, you won two SEC conference games last year. You're at four, okay? I think you could get to sub-500 in the league or right at 500 get into the tournament who knows what will happen there when you do get into the tournament you make a little push you never know what could happen so I like the growth I I I like that the things that I see from Matt I I think he's giving it everything he's got and it's just not on paying it off the way that it arguably should so I'm going to stay the course with him, man. I'm going to continue to tell you, for me, this is like a year one for him, okay? And 
I'm going to judge him based off of this being year one. Get to sub-500 in the league and maintain, maybe win a game or two in the tournament, in the SEC tournament, and go from there and see if see what you can do. And it's going to be tough. Don't think you have the personnel. Don't think you have the players. But they play tough. They play, they play hard-nosed. And I, I'm rooting for Matt McMahon, man. I, I, I really am. And I think that his team loves him. I think these players love him. And let's see what happens here. Um, I think, you know, we could, we could look back at this in a year or two and say to ourselves, man, we just need to give him, give him time. And I think we're there. I think we're, we're in the tough, the tough days of it. And we're just going to have to grind through it. It, it, it's not fun. It's not fair to, to do what we're doing and having to talk what we're talking about, but guys, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to beat up on him right now based off of what everything has happened. I'm just not. I know Will is in Lake Charles and continue. He continues to have a parallel path with him on things. Don't still don't think that that's fair. There's a big difference in, in coaching in the SEC and coaching in the Southland where you can get some pieces, some below average pieces, okay, and win that conference. Guys, the Southland Conference in basketball is so bad. It is horrible. Trust me. I, I mean, like, guys, I used to go there every – I used to go to almost every basketball game when I was at Southeastern. It's a horrible conference. I mean, it's not that great. Not saying Matt can't and won't make. I mean, Will won't make the tournament. Maybe win a game. Who knows? Okay, who knows what will happen there? All I'm saying is, you got to give Matt a little bit of time, man. Got to give a little bit of time. He inherited something that Wade left that was a dumpster fire, a complete dumpster fire, and he had to. He's having to rebuild it. So I think Matt McMahon's a good coach. He's shown before that he's a good coach. We just got to to, to stay the course with him uh, for now. Uh, Brandon Reese says he basically inherited a glorified expansion team. Um, yeah, I guess it's a good way to put it. Stephen Young rebuttals that and says, well, so did Brian Kelly. I think that's a little bit different. A little bit different because of the, what BK was able to do in the portal. I, I mean – you're able, from a football perspective, to get a Jane Daniels. You're not – I mean, and look, we'll, we'll, at some point and someday we'll have the real and true conversation about Jaden that we probably always should have had. But, you know, I, I mean, guys, he's the best – he was the best player in the country that you could have gotten out of the portal and, and you seized on it. So, I don't know if there's those players in college basketball that hit the portal like that. And not it, it's just it's completely different. I mean, you got two NFL corners you went and got from the state of Louisiana, the guys that are on practice squads. I mean, that's that, that's not necessarily fair. Um, but I think we'll be all right. Uh, Rob Boudreaux says Matt, uh, Coach McMahon had, didn't even have one player. That's true, he didn't. Uh, Chance Babin says nine days till baseball. That it is, and we'll have a lot of coverage. We'll be doing a lot of. Specifically because LSU baseball has a lot of midday games, we're going to be doing a lot of post games, and I don't have to be in here at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. I love it. Thank you, Jay Johnson, 
God. Thank you, Jesus. Dude, we would stay up so late. I'd stay up so late. I'd get to bed at 11, 30, 12 o'clock, and that's just not when I go to sleep. It's not how I do things. I'm a night owl, but I don't like, being, I don't like staying up 11, 12 o'clock during the, during the week. It's just not, not how I like to do because I'm, I'm up at six, you know, and got to get, got to start the day. Got to get some, you know, got to get things rolling. Um, so it's not fun. All right. We got tons to discuss more than just the men's basketball, uh, post game show. We'll talk a little bit about it because we'll, we'll just kind of run through their schedule very quickly. Uh, but Brian Kelly had a signing day press conference. We'll spend a lot of time talking about that. Some things that he mentioned, some things that he talked about some things I think that he said in there um, that we've talked a lot about on the show and something uh, one big area of concern but you know I- I'm gonna I- I'm gonna say what I think you know I'm gonna break down what I the energy that I feel that Brian Kelly had today because look he still said a lot a lot last year even though I thought you know, there during camp, he, he got to the point where he thought that this could be a playoff team last year. You know, there was a lot of times in the preseason, if you go back to what he said, and even told and said in the preseason about defense and said that he did not have the corners here yet. We'll just break down the entire press conference. But I felt that he had some good energy on the guys that he has on the team right now. And he addressed one big issue, which means – Okay, also that they're going to process some guys and tell them to hit the road. And that's unfortunate too, but we'll we'll break all of that down. Speaking of that, it was National Signing Day, even though this day, at least of all days, did not feel at all like... Even, even a couple of years ago, man, you had some guys that didn't sign, you know, in, in the early period. And, and so today was the day that like National Signing Day died. The, the February signing day completely died for me. But Terry Bussey commits to Texas A&M or stays committed to Texas A&M. He does that at 9 a.m. Don McKinley signs, and we're over with. It was very un- uneventful day. Uh, I don't mind that. I'm just saying very uneventful day. But in the signing of today and Terry Bussey, we're going to do a little bit of a Rafino's rants on Texas A&M. Because you got uh, Leon O'Neill, who is a former A&M player, out there spatting his gums about LSU play, LSU dudes. Um, spatting his gums about guys leaving Texas and going to LSU. Well, and then you got legitimate Texas A&M uh, media accounts, okay, in my mentions defending that they actually have won something in the SEC and what they say is something significant that they've won since being in the SEC over the last decade is, guys, did y'all know that they won the Capital One Orange Bowl? One New Year's Six Bowl. They've accomplished something in the SEC. Is there a more delusional, idiotic, stupid fan base in this in uh, guys AM is a different breed of stupid okay like uh, gloves off I, I don't get them I, I I don't get it 
How can you be so stupid to think that you're not going to get roasted for thinking that one of your big things that you've won since you've joined this conference is you won a New Year's Six Bowl? The biggest thing that you've done is the Johnny Manziel years. That's it. Him winning the Heisman, Johnny football going off. That is it. You have sucked. Oh, what about the COVID year? Go milk some titties somewhere. You, you're not a good football program right now. Spending $75 million, okay, to fire your coach is 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 laughable. We're, we're not, we don't think it's, I mean, now it is a flex, okay, that A&M can pull it off. Like, let's, let's not act like it's not. Spending $75 million for a guy not to coach is utter craziness, okay? Let's not act as if, though, okay, that we're la- like, A&M fans, we're laughing at you. We're laughing at you. You're flexing. Oh, we kept Terry Bussey. You had to. We flipped four other of your dudes, okay, and got one of your starters. LSU takes what we want. Like, so to all A&M fans and media, you're not even remotely, like, even close to being on the pedestal of LSU. Like, not even remotely close. Brian Kelly has been in the SEC for two years and has played for more SEC championships than A&M as a, as a entity has ever done. Like, they're so delusional. But you got guys like Leon, Leon O'Neal, who, by the way, Racy McMath made look stupid on his touchdown uh, in <coughs> 19. Bruh. <clears throat> Ren says some of the tweets he deleted was mad disrespectful. It was disrespectful. And then, okay, Leon O'Neill was the guy that played safety for Texas A&M. He's going out here to Twitter Okay, him deleting it is so soft. And then he was, he was, you know, saying no fear. No, you got ratioed, okay? You're playing in the arena league. Like, come on, man. Come on. All right. We'll discuss about that a little bit too. I mean, I pretty much already discussed it. But I, I just, I, I don't understand it. Guys, I, I don't, I, I cannot fathom it. Like, it, it, it doesn't register with me how A&M, like, fans and media for them are this stupid. I, I mean, you look at the Twitter battles all day long, I, and I, I just scratch my head and say, there's no way that you can be this stupid bragging about a New Year's Six Bowl win during COVID. Like, what are you bragging about? It's like your friend who wants to introduce you to his new girlfriend and he's been talking her up so much like man she's a 10 she's a 10 and she's a three like her her teeth are really yellow and crossed you know like she wears short shorts but she's a little you know a little hefty and she shouldn't be wearing what she's wearing like that's what i feel like a&m is 
I, I feel like A&M's the guy at the bar that strikes out with every girl but still has the same amount of confidence throughout his entire life. I, I Just idiotic, dude. I, I've, I've never understood them, and I never will. I mean, hell, you got one of their media guys out there constantly quote-tweeting LSU, LSU women. LSU people who are women who are fans. It's weird. It's so weird. Like, people call them the cult. You are the cult. It's not a joke. Oh, we got Terry Bussey. Good on you. It's uh, Like, I think Terry's going to be a great player. In case you missed it, too, Terry Bussey is staying with Texas A&M, signed with A&M today. Good on him. Going to be a great player. LSU went up into your house and snatched four commits and flipped them and then took a starter and was like, and it, we take what we want, and, you, and you're going to flex with a New Year's Six Bowl win. Oh, we beat you two, uh, a couple of times here or there. You also beat Bama that one time. Good, good on you. Good on you. Beat them once under uh, Manziel. Good on you. But when a team constantly is kicking your ass and you're having to pay $75 million for a coach for him not to be there, you think, oh, yeah, man, we got money. We just spent $75 million. We're all laughing at you. We're laughing at you. And then the whole Brian Kelly to Michigan rumor starts because you got people at Texas A&M who knows that LSU is about to smack that ass in recruiting and start flipping some dudes, so they make up something that's so idiotic. Brian Kelly to Michigan. Even if it was true, you knew Sharon Moore was going to be elevated. It wasn't even a choice. Brian Kelly's not actually a fit here. How do you know what Louisiana is? A&M has no business, either if you're a media guy that's from there, went to school there, whatever, or an A&M fan, player, you have no business telling anybody about culture and fit because you, what you do, the little midnight yell, it's stupid. You got male cheerleaders out there, woo! It's, it's losers. It's a loser. Woo! Woo! Who you are, Ric Flair? I- I'm done with them. You want to know? You want to know something? Let me tell you something from Blake. Here's something from Uncle Blake. Going on a little bit of a tangent on this. I hate AM more than any other fan base and any other team in the SEC. Bama. It is what it is. That rivalry was with Nick. He's not there no more. That's your rivalry. They think that they're comp- their little brother. Woo! Can't stand him. All right. We got to actually get into the show. Hopefully, I recovered and uh, myself um, from being mute for like five minutes. All right. 
Let's talk about our good friends at betonline.ag, our good friend Tyler Alexander over at LPT Realty. Everybody do us a favor, though. Hit that like button, hit the share. If you're on Facebook, hit the like button, share to all those groups, share to all your social media pages. You're watching us, listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, and notification bell wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate you doing that. Be right back. Brian Kelly Presser, we talk about that next. We'll talk a little basketball and, and recap the game, too. Uh, and then we, we I pretty much just did my Rafino's rants already. Uh, and then we'll go around your SEC. Stay with us. Ben Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline. He will sell your house and find you a new. Well, Tyler's the man, he's here for you. If you want to buy or sell, well, it's not too late. Dial 955-0008. Just call 955-0008. Y'all call Tyler. He'll shoot you straight. We're back. Y'all saw Nick Saban is going to ESPN as an analyst. Um, You know, I think it's a wild conspiracy for Florida State fans to think that they put Nick Saban and Alabama in the playoff because Nick was going to go and coach the, or go and be an analyst for game day. Um, guys, I I think deep down, you know, and I know if Florida state would have gotten in the playoff, they would have gotten their teeth kicked in with, by any three of those teams. They can't score guys. They couldn't score against Florida or Louisville, barely scrapping to get anything offensively done. Spare me that they would have been able to go up against Michigan and put up any points. That was the best defense in college football this year. Spare me. Now that, you know, we can somewhat debunk that. Look, I don't like Nick. I don't like Bama. But I'm also going to try to keep it real with you. Look, one thing that we will do on this show, even if I'm wrong, I'm just going to tell you how I feel. Like, I'm not going to come out here and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to come out here and, 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 you know, like I have tried to build off of all of this through 800 episodes, 800 plus episodes of just being the realest dude I can be. That's it. I'm going to call it like I see it. I don't think Florida State deserved to be in the playoff. I, I, I just really don't. The ACC was the worst Power Five conference in the country this year. Wasn't remotely close. Okay? They benefited 
because their signature win was a 9-3 LSU. Who, ironically, Alabama did, I mean, just being real with you, beat them by almost the same margin. So, yeah. I, I To be real with you, but Saban is going to be at ESPN. I do find it a little interesting. It's going to be it's going to be fun. Hear me out here. I mean, look, man, he is the greatest of all time. It is going to be fun to listen to how he views football. I, I'm not going to and, and he doesn't have to get another team ready. He he doesn't have to sugarcoat anything. He just tell you what he feels and how he feels and I think it's going to be a good thing for college football. We probably won't talk Tennessee for the first time in four episodes here tonight outside of basketball. Look, one quick thing before we talk about this Brian Kelly press conference and get into a little bit of football. LSU shot 24% from three, six of 25, not good enough. They got to get better at the at the free throw line too. I know Trey Hannibal had four misses, but guys, you, you're just going to have to get better. They're 63.6% tonight. You've had struggles there uh, pretty often. You shoot 41% from the field. Um, you're facing a really good team, though. Connect and those guys. I mean, they're a reason there's a top. They're a top 16. They could be the best team in the SEC this year. Um, you battled. You got it within single digits with three minutes left to go in the game. Uh, I, I do look at LSU's schedule um, moving forward. Now, you're going to have Alabama. You got Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky. It You got to beat Florida, and you're going to have to upset somebody here. Like, if you want to stay 500, now you got Mississippi State and Georgia after that, just beat Florida, try to upset somebody. Don't know who that is. You got Kentucky coming here on the 21st at 8 p.m. Um it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. After that, it's not as bad. Obviously, we talked about you got Mississippi State, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Arkansas again, and Missouri, who doesn't have a win in conference. So even if over the next you know month you're not necessarily the best, okay, you can make up some ground late. Uh, but you're just try to go to try to be 500 in these next couple of stretches, next next four games. Because um, if you can do that, guys, I think you could maybe make a push in a tournament, maybe be on the bubble, be on the fringe. Just try to go two and two. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to upset somebody that's a top 15 team, either Kentucky, Alabama, um, or uh, South Carolina. So we'll see. Oh, William Hanno says, bring back David Pollock. Can you imagine that interaction? Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. And look, Pollock has done some things. Either, even if you agree with them. Let me just tell you one quick thing. When sports guys start going political, okay, you know, and he's having his comments about wokeism. Again, have your own thoughts. I don't give a shit about them. Okay. It's going to rub a lot of fan, fans the wrong way. And people just don't want to hear about it. 
and don't want to see it all the time. He has his right, his platform to talk about whatever he wants. That's on him. I don't care. I think David Pollock's a really damn good football analyst. I think he's one of the best. I can separate his political views and ideologies for how I – I can separate things and comprehend. I feel like that become, has become a massive issue in our country where, guys, he has an opinion on something. So what? You disagree with him. So what? Who gives a shit? Like, I know I'm on my soapbox again on this. I just don't care. If I like the guy as a football analyst, I like football, I'm going to listen to it. And there's, I, I, You know – even if I don't agree with him, not saying I do or don't. All I'm saying is I don't like when sports guys go out there and just try to force down politics to get likes and, and quotes and retweets. Uh, it's why I never jive with like a guy like Will Kane or why I don't j- jive with Jamel Hill. I, neither one of them. Don't care for it. Okay. Let's get to it. Because Brian Kelly had a press conference today on National Signing Day. Uh, and recap his team. There is no bigger area that Brian Kelly talked about today than the interior of the defensive line. He was asked a question about what they're going to do there, and he did not sugarcoat it. And good on him for not sugarcoating it. Basically, Brian Kelly confirmed today everything that we've discussed over the last month, that being they have to be better and deeper pause along the interior of the defensive line they're going to even move guys around in there brian kelly was answered the question kind of not awkwardly but made it like hey are you going to move some guys around he goes yep okay well i mean he's got to i mean he's just he's gonna have to move more bodies into the interior of the defensive line you don't have enough you might not have enough during spring he said today that there may be some offensive linemen who I have no earthly idea who that will be. They're going to have to go on the other side of the ball during spring. Which leads me to this. I think basically what he told you today was, meaning Brian Kelly, that we are going to vet. I, I'm not saying he said this, but we are going to vet the situation, which we talked about a lot. We knew that they, they had to do it was always doing it behind closed doors. Number two, I, I, I'm i not saying that they will tamper, okay? But I think that there's always a good idea of guys that potentially will hit the portal and guys that you can go after. And you're going to have to. Like, even if none of the guys that you bring in from the portal are starters, you need depth and quality depth. Because you do not have it. And it is, how do I want to say this? Even under Orgeron, there were areas of concern, like the offensive line. Remember under O in the last two years, how you just were so bad along the offensive line? I honestly think it might be a little bit worse in the interior of the defensive line. Because you still had guys that got drafted, okay, from those offensive lines. Uh, uh, Ed Ingram, starter, Minnesota, was on that offensive line, okay? 
You had Austin Deculus that got drafted. Houston was on that offensive line. Guys that maybe some of them are not going to see a lot of snaps, if ever, in the NFL. Guys that can get there and play. Right now, I don't know, outside of a, a true freshman Dom McKinley, who will be on this team next year, I just don't know if you have any NFL bodies in that, in that rotation or position group. Now, we're going to have to see some of the guys that they move into the interior, but maybe Jacoby and Guillory gets a look, maybe. May, you know, how does Sean Washington look? But right now, those are question marks. It also confirms that LSU, who is above the 85 scholarship limit, there's going to be guys that they're going to have to tell to leave. And Brian Kelly confirming that they are going to look into the portal for interior defensive linemen confirms that. Now, whether you like that or not, it is what it is. But there was a second thing that I walk out of that press conference and say to myself, okay, walking out of that press conference today came very evident and clear to me that Brian Kelly fully feels that they are going to develop at a much better rate defensively than they have done the last two years and get a lot of these young guys ready and prepped and good to go and ready to go. It kind of feels like he knows something we don't. Now, not saying that you're going to take have a complete 180 in the secondary, uh, at linebacker, or even in a pass rush situation. But I think that he knows now, like, hey, man, we got some really damn strong coaches in here that can help develop and pro- progress and progress some of these young bucks because that's how he wants to build this roster. I don't even think it's a bad strategy. I think it is the ultimate strategy for a winning, a winning program, recruiting through high school, having a high, 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 high retention rate, which we gloss over all the time, right? Like we gloss over all the time that LSU, yeah, they lose a couple of guys here and there, Lanter, Walker, Howard. What have they done so far? Nothing? I mean, relatively nothing? I think Lance will next year for Tennessee. But you're not missing out on a lot because you replace it with another five-star. Brian Kelly doesn't get the credit that he deserves even during staff turnover of the high retention rate. And I just came out of that presser feeling to myself, okay, I've listened to every word that that man has said since he's been at LSU, every single word. Sometimes go back and listen to it again just in case I missed anything. And today, I haven't really ever heard him that confident outside of the way that he's talked about his offense from last year. I'm not trying to give you hope. I'm not trying to give you and tell you that we're going to be an instant playoff team. They got a lot of hard work ahead of them. A lot of hard work. Okay? But, man, I I asked the question, what does he know that I don't? One thing that 
I, I thought was interesting, and the first person that came to mind for me when he said that they're going to move some guys into the interior, that feels 100% like Savion Jones. I don't know if Savion is a interior three technique type of guy. It doesn't feel like he is. I think he can play a little bit, okay, in there. And I think he can make some things really interesting, especially from a pass rush situation because he's put on weight, okay? He was just a little too slow for tackles, especially really athletic tackles. He's going to be more athletic than every guard he sees this year. And I, I do ask if he's going to be the guy that they move inside and tinker and test with him being in there. Parrish Shand is another one. I think Parrish Shand is a guy that I look at too and ask myself an undersized edge guy who guys really had a lot of quality production last year. A lot of high-quality production. He is the guy that we, when we talk about this defensive line, never gets brought up. Now, he just won the freak of the week for being an absolute dude, okay, and being a stud in the weight room and on the field. We need him to progress, and we need him to build upon some of the success that he had last year because of all the more interior type of guys – Nobody had the flashes, okay, that Parishan did rep rep on rep. You know, you had Makai Wingo and Mason Smith in the bowl game. Okay. Mason Smith had a sack against Mizzou. Okay. But Parishan a lot of times would flash even when he wasn't making the play. So are those two guys that you look at and start tinkering with and being unique and creative? One thing that Blake Baker has got to do, like has to, or he's going to be and find himself looking down the barrel of the same fate of Matt House. Man, <clears throat> he's got to ask himself the question, okay, how unique and, and innovative do I need to be? And we need to get these guys up to speed really quickly and being innovative because if we don't and I don't, we're in trouble. I, I don't think people realize the issue or, or, or issues I have with the D-line. I think you've got some really good edge guys. I think Jackson Howard is a guy that I'm really intrigued to see. Deshaun uh, Womack. Obviously, what do you do with Perkins? You got a lot of edge guys that I'm really high on. You know, what does Gabe Rutherford give you, if anything? What is a, what is a guy like a mod bro, if anything? So I, I look at all of, all of the defensive line. I think that you got talent at the edge. Actually, I know you have talent at the edge. I think you got immense talent along the edge. But, man, when you don't have bodies in that interior, guys, you can't allow teams like Missouri, like uh, uh, um, Ole Miss, and Alabama to run all over you at will. Guys, look, I'd even concede Florida State. I shouldn't, but I would. 
I concede uh, even a Florida State loss, even though I think that game was closer than a lot of people thought it was. I look at Alabama and I look at Ole Miss and say the only thing, the, the biggest thing that beat you was third down defense, okay, and teams running the ball at you at an alarming rate. Because I still think, guys, really, I think Garrett has matured enough. He's going to make mistakes. You're going to have to allow him to make mistakes. He is matured enough, and he's. I think this offense is going to be good enough. And even Brian Kelly talked about today. Basically, Brian Kelly came to you and said, "We got to look. We had to go and replenish some of the some of the things offensively. We had to go get a Xavion Thomas and a C.J. Daniels. We're going to be really good on offense. Everything is focused on one side of the football right now." We'll see, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. One thing that I also thought Brian Kelly mentioned, and I, I want to how do I want to say this without because I don't want to come off in, in any kind of a wrong way. Guys, I'm not gonna talk about Tennessee, but Brian Kelly mentioned this today. Brian Kelly brought up about the SEC two and the Big Ten joining forces. And Brian Kelly said, man, listen, we need one voice. Now, maybe he's talking about SC Commissioner Greg Sankey. I think he just meant in general that can point college football in the right, in one and right direction. Regardless of who Brian Kelly mentioned today, guys, this is how I make my living. Throughout the entire day, let me just tell you, I am on the phone because coaches love to talk and they love to brag. And you pick up the phone, you talk to them, a couple of them around the league, talk to an SEC D-line coach today, talk to an LSU, I mean, a former LSU offensive lineman today who is getting into coaching, spoke to an SEC offensive line coach today. And all of them echoed, every single one of them echoed. And only thing that they wanted to talk about is this SEC Big Ten thing. And you know what they keep bringing up? Exactly what Brian Kelly said, that basically we need a commissioner. And we need one. Brian Kelly's not going to confirm that we need a commissioner. What he's going to tell you is, okay, and he talked about how we're not going to continue to lobby for things. He's right. He knows exactly. The same arguments that I've been having over the last four episodes is exactly what Brian Kelly mentioned today. It's like we talk to coaches throughout the day because it's all a lot of what we do. Finding out intel, stuff on teams, shooting the BS. How's your mom and them? I think it's interesting that you have a prominent head coach in college football, which that is what Brian Kelly is, saying that we need one voice, one focus, one direction. He won't say this, but I'm telling you it's the truth. Let Tennessee win and the NCAA not being able to investigate recruiting violations. You think it's the wild, wild west right now? You have not seen anything yet. If teams know that they can get away with 
recruiting violations by just suing the NCAA, we are in immense trouble. Immense. Multiple levels of chaos. You think it's crazy now. Guys, I'm telling you this is what your head coach is saying. It's what he's saying. Y'all think, basically, pulling the curtain back from what BK said about the alliance or the agreement with the SEC and Big Ten. He's warning you. He's warning you. Hey, we better start getting some things right now because if we don't, Tennessee wins this case. We're in trouble. Y'all think I'm crazy. Y'all think I'm crazy. Kevin says, yeah, okay, the new staff alone makes us better. Come on, man. Did I say that they didn't? But, Kevin, here, here's my point, okay? My point on that is you don't have the dudes. This game is still won and lost by dudes. You, do you think you got – Kevin, thumbs up, thumbs down in the chat. Do you think you got better or worse along the interior of the defensive line? Bo Davis does not change dudes getting double teamed because they will. Right now, you are not better from a D-line perspective. Sorry. You, you got better coaches. They don't have, in the interior, they do not have the personnel. I'm telling you. You got it, guys. You got. You better take the purple and gold glasses off. You better take the purple and gold glass. You think I'm crazy now? Wait and see what happens during spring. And I come out here and I tell you, they're getting their asses whooped. They're getting their asses whooped. I I guarantee you, right now, we're gonna go out there, and the interior of this offensive line is gonna be smacking that ass. It's coming. Pause. All right, let's fill a couple of questions. I, I will get to one more thing about the Brian Prelly, uh, Kelly press conference. He was asked about locking down the state. We'll talk about that too. Um, but Brandon says, move Savion Jones to defensive tackle. He's 6'6", 280. I just don't know how much I like that. Uh, Conrad says, Blake, who could possibly convert to D-line in your opinion? I really don't know, Conrad, to be honest with you. Chemo, maybe? Chemo, maybe? Um, I don't know. I, I, I You know, that's th this is why I had the issue with, you know – Maybe you thought Makai Wingo and, and Mason Smith were coming back. I, I, losing Ty G. Hill and losing Fitzgerald West, ironically enough, is is hurts you. It hurts you. I mean, 100% hurts you. So, I can't believe I'm saying it. It does. I want to see what happens with Sean Washington, okay? I just don't – <sighs> I don't know. Look, a kid could come out and surprise me. Uh, Ray Powell says Connor Gilbreth. Maybe. Maybe. 
little maybe a little undersized, but if he's you got you're gonna have to get some guys some shots here. Gonna have to get some guys some shots here and see what they can do. You don't when you're converting offensive linemen to defensive linemen because you need to see what you can get out of it, you got a problem. You got a problem. Brian Kelly was asked about locking the state down, and he said he wouldn't call it locking the state down. He would just say we've we've done a really good job at sending coaches and putting coaches in the right positions to have success, which basically means we've locked the state down. Um and look, they did. I mean, getting nine of the ten top ten guys in the state is a big deal. Got to continue to have that type of success. They're already having that type of success in 25. You got a lot of talented kids in the 26 class. And look, the way that Brian Kelly is building the roster, you got to give him this, man. It's how championship teams are built. Championship teams are built with having really, really good high school classes, bringing those guys in, developing them to your system, okay, and developing them as a player, going to the portal, being specific, and getting other really talented guys in here. And I think they did that for offense. Now they got to start doing that a little bit for defense. Guys, there's a reason you won the West in 22. You hit on the portal. Now, you – you know, it's not sustainable. I agree it's not sustainable. And it showed that it wasn't sustainable at LSU. You're going to have to, you know, you'll have to do a lot of things like maybe what Ole Miss did. But Ole Miss ain't going to do that every year. They're going to miss. They're going to have one really good hit, a couple of really good hits in one year, and then they're going to not have the same success. They're, you can't, you're just, you're going to have to have development. Because you're not going to be able to continue to do that. And you're a couple – like Ole Miss, for example, is a couple injuries away from being in real trouble. Because they'll have true freshmen uh, sitting behind them, and that's not good enough. LSU, guys, they have a crap load of, uh, of juniors and sophomores on this team. I, I, I have not looked at this. I would not be shocked if 75% of your team is built in juniors and seniors. This is historically when you start seeing um, teams start making pushes. Got Regardless if you want to talk about their issues or not, you, you've recruited and retained well. Very much so. Recruited and retained well. Uh, Father Abear says, we are 100% to have – uh, to pick off some guys in DT in the portal. You're going to have to tamper. Brandon, Dominic McKinley is not going to play at 280. He's going to play at 290, 295, 300. I, I get, they're going to put 200 pounds or 20 pounds on him. He ain't going to play at 280. I promise you that. Uh, but to follow Abar's point, guys, you're going to have to tamper a little. And I hate to say that, but I'd probably get real. you know, people probably don't like that I say that, but it's just the truth. Don't get caught. Don't get caught. Do it the right way. You know, make sure that you're doing it the right way. Agents are out there for reasons. And they're not gonna they're not gonna spill. Being a rat as an agent, 
publicly, worst thing that can happen. Worst thing that can happen. So, yeah. Uh, Chance Babin says, what are you hearing on Jalil Muhammad? Uh, I think they're going to monitor. I think they're going to monitor. Um, <laughs> see what happens there. <laughs> All right, I got to read this. Oh, Danny girl says, anyone else find it humorous that Blake just told the f- quote unquote father? He is mad as a, as a priest. Uh, that we should cheat, LOL. That's funny. Now, that's funny. But I think, I mean, he said it, Danny, not me. We're 100% going to have to pick off some guys for DT in the portal. Um, Look, man, I, I mean, let me ask this. Father Bear, is it against God's rules to tamper in recruiting? I don't think that's a part of the commandments. You know, like I, I don't, I don't think it's a part of the Ten Commandments. Moses did not come down from that mountain, okay. And one of them things say, "Thou shalt not tamper to get kids to go to the transfer portal." We have no, we have no commandment that says that you cannot tamper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brandon Reese says, which corner and safety are you looking forward to watching uh, break out this season next year? I'm still gonna I'm still gonna stay with Ashton Stamps at corner. Um I, I've seen him have success at practice. He just has not been able to um translate it to the field. It's the wildest thing. Guys, I mean, you've seen it. It's not like I'm making this up. LSU has posted a video, him picking off uh, um, Garrett Nussmeyer and uh, Brian Thomas Jr. running a go route, and he's jumping up, and he's covering him well. He's got his head turned. He's jumping up. He's high-pointing the ball. He's intercepting it. He's undercutting some passes. Um, He would probably be the one that I want to see again coming off of surgery. I am really intrigued by Deshaun McBride. What does Deshaun McBride look like? Um, the true freshman from Denham Springs coming in here. I'm really intrigued by Kylan Jackson. Really intrigued. I, I want to see Kylan Jackson now. I mean, I think that kid can really, really play. Um, those would be the two. I just don't know what you do with Toviano. You know, I, that's going to be interesting in and of itself because uh, I don't. He's not a boundary corner. He's just not a boundary corner. He's too slow right now. Um, he, I think he is a prototypical safety. I think you need to put him there and let him run. Um. What do you do with Sage Ryan? I'm not so sure that they're not going to leave Sage Ryan on the boundary. I think they're going to keep him there. Corey, Corey going to have to get some of them. La- I mean, he's going to have to coach this kid up. 
Gonna have to coach this kid up because we need it. <laughs> Father Abra says, well, since I have to address it, pickoff does not necessarily mean tamper. Well, Father, that's the only way we're going to pick him off. I'm just telling you. But he's right. Conrad says, what's crazy, so uh, some guys, I'm assuming, aren't good practice guys and come to game time, their lights go off. It's so wild. It's so wild with him. He's a freshman, too. Uh, Alex Daigle says, think we're going to get another uh, – uh, get, get better at running the ball to help us. I do because I think now with the experienced offensive line going into year three, having four got four starters return for year three is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Kylan Jackson, Trey Holly, Kane Durham, Josh Williams. I even think that you might need to get a back in the portal come spring. I I, I actually would not mind them taking a back. Now, Brian Kelly did mention that you could put Savion Thomas in the backfield and let him run the rock, but that's on certain situations and certain downs and for certain things. I don't know if they if they will do stuff like that. I think you need a fifth running back. I, I wouldn't mind taking a back if there's one that goes into the portal that you like. Um, and it doesn't even have to be uh, – uh, 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 like we're not even talking about a bona fide starter. I'm not even talking about a bona fide starter. Okay? I'm just talking about a guy like I, – I don't want to go into any game with with th three or four running backs. You start getting that three running back situation, you're in trouble. Or you just going to have to hope Caleb Jackson's a wor uh, is, a, is just a, a bull – and doesn't come out, but he's going to. He's going to. You're going to have to go get somebody else. Oh, I got to talk about the new Saints OC. I've been, uh, man, I've been um, pushing it off to the back burner. I probably can't do that again. We'll, we'll we'll wait a minute before we do that. I'll fill some more questions here. Um, Alex says, think we're going to – oh, yeah, we just read that one. He says, again, think we're going to need – okay. We're just reading the same question over and over again. Let me scroll up and get to maybe some, some other ones. Holden Lee says, I'm surprised Jalil Muhammad hasn't committed after his LSU offer. I think there's something holding that back, uh, Holden. Uh, uh, Stephen Young says politics it will infiltrate everything when you have a lot of people who believe men can get pregnant. Oh boy, I should have read that before I brought that up here. I'm I'm so staying away from that. I want nothing to do with that. I'm not getting canceled. Not today. You can't get me, Satan. Well, look, man. I am a dude that was raised in the country. Come to your own conclusions. I will say this, though. I will say this. Luckily, 
in this state, we have not had a male, to my knowledge, we have not had a biological male try to entertain in female sports. And I really do debate um, if that day were to ever come that I don't break my, my one rule. I feel I feel like I'm Joker from the Dark Knight. You're gonna have to break your one rule if you want to save one of them. I, I I might that would be the only thing I'd break my rule for. We do not we've never in 800 plus shows we've never talked about that here, ever politics. But God help us if that day comes. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to break your one rule if you want to save one of them. People say I got a good, look, a, a nice, a nice sounding Heath Ledger Joker. I watched that movie enough. I should sound like him. Uh, Brandon Reese says, when it comes to wide receivers, I'm look, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Sheldon Samson does. Um, yeah, I mean, he's gonna have to be. He can be one of those guys that can work into the fold here year two. I, I don't think people are realizing what I think that C.J. Daniels is gonna come in here and do. I don't know how much they let C.J. roll here. I know that guys coming in to LSU um, that play wide receiver and transfer in normally don't have massive amounts of success. I just don't worry about him. I, I don't worry about receiver. Guys, I, I, I just don't worry about um, offense. I, I really don't. Even if, if you're getting stopped. You know, like even if if a defense stops you, okay, well, you're supposed to be able to make stops on defense. I mean, you you're not going to be perfect, uh, and just because Jaden had to be, doesn't mean that this that Garrett has to be. Dump the ball off. Let your playmakers make plays. You're gonna score, guys. We're gonna score a crap load of points. I would be, I would be shocked. If we do not have a top 25, top 30 offense, shocked, legitimately shocked. I just don't, I just can't see it. Now, next year, that's a whole different story. Next year is a whole different story for me. Because um, I think you're going to replace four offensive linemen. Could be replacing a quarterback, even though I think A.J. Swan gets a little too much blame for what happened at Vandy. Bryce Underwood will come in. So we'll see. All right. Let me talk about this very quickly because I haven't. Uh, Clint Kubiak has been named as the Saints offensive coordinator. And look, I got to admit one thing. I don't understand, for me, people not having more question marks about this. Now, I do think that Clint Kubiak, whose dad was in the NFL for a long time, obviously Super Bowl winning uh, uh, coach, I, I know what the style of play that they're trying to go after. They're trying to go after that that re- zone uh, uh, blocking schemes, outside zone, run the football, 
pl- deep, hard play action, hard count, tough physical nose of a brand and style of football, that's what they want to accomplish. That kind of system has pretty much uh, um, the Shanahan system has had tons of success in the NFL. You see a lot of guys running that in the NFL. You got McVay that runs it. Obviously, you got Kyle Shanahan that runs it. You have uh, uh, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay that runs it. Clint Kubiak is going to run that same type of system now in New Orleans. It's had tons of success. Guys, I just have question marks on a guy coming in first time ever calling plays and why a lot of fans and media don't have more question marks around it. It's different maybe for him because he's been around the NFL game for a long time. But for me, I I have question marks. I do think it one take that I've seen a lot of is that a lot of people and Saints fans watching a lot of the San Francisco offense and what the Saints may look like look like I that that is such a horrible take it's not gonna it's gonna have its its familiarity to it but that's Kyle Shanahan that's a completely different beast and animal you can't assume that Clint like why and why are you even watching that like, I mean, I understand why you are, but I don't know. I I do think that Clint Kubiak has a lot of upside and potential. The Saints' new offensive coordinator. I also will always go into a coaching search, whether it's college or pros, and say to myself, you have a guy that's not really called plays before, just first gig, first time doing it, and is he going to have success? I don't think there's any fair uh, um, either criticisms or good takes that you can have about him that warrant you to know what you'll look like. You don't know how a guy calls plays and what kind of good things or bad things he does on third down. You just don't. So to have the take, I'm watching a lot of San Francisco film and how they're going to run things and do things, and I really like how they do it in San Francisco. That's what they're going to implement here. It's a dumb take. They're not going to do that. All right. Sorry, but I got had, had to mention the Saints talk, man. All right, last one before we get out of here. Brandon says, Blake, which team or teams – do you think Jaden will have success with? Uh, I keep thinking about the Broncos and Vikings. I don't think that him and Sean Payton would vibe. I think he'd have. A, I think he could have a lot of success with the Vikings, but um, I don't know. I really don't know. I think Jaden is such far and long as a passer than like Lamar is, I think that Jaden can could do a lot of good things. I don't I I think Jaden can have success wherever he goes. I know that's a cop out, but I, I really do believe that. Even though y'all told me that he stunk in, in twenty two. All right.
We'll see y'all guys tomorrow. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.